Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. And what's up, SCS Nation? Uh, Welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. Coming to you live tonight from the law office of Jansen and Davis in Tallahassee, Florida. If you saw how we threw threw this together in the last moment, you would not believe it. Magically, we are appearing on your YouTube screen, unable to reach the comments. So the COE back in a global headquarters in Miami will be handling all of that. Uh, for those who do not know, the man to my right, you saw him all day. You must be living on, under a rock if you don't know him. Tim Jansen, famed Tallahassee defense attorney, turning into a media superstar. And uh, here he is. I can't even read that comment, so I'm going to have to go closer. <laughs> Tim is a freaking rock star. He was amazing uh, today, as always. Wow, I'm getting old. I have to squint getting up there. Uh, to my right, in this lovely hot pink jacket, Kathy Monkman Higgum. Did I say it right? Hi. 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 And uh, we'll tell you about Kathy in just one moment. And uh, off camera, because she's always anonymous, the effervescent, ebullient fancy fiction who yelled at me today, just like my mom, made me feel good. Uh, here he is ruining the shot. Steve Cohen, also <laughs> off camera. Have a seat, Steve, uh, after I spent all the time setting this up. So let's get serious for a moment. Um, a really wild day. We came up, uh, me, Moan, and I, all the way from Miami. Seven and a half hour drive with him was... Um, I don't know. I might have preferred to have been an Iran hostage back in 1979. But anyway, we survived. We're here. Um, Tim, uh, never in my wildest dreams today did I think that we would see Luis Rivera, which, by the way, seems like that was seven months ago that he was on the stand. He was on the stand early this morning, followed by Katie Magbanawa. Um, I don't want to call you out on national YouTube, Tim, no. but I was talking to you last night. Um I'm not jealous of your home at all. That's uh, quite a plantation you live on. And um, you said there's no way Katie is going to be testifying, and she testified. Uh, were you obviously were surprised? But what did you make of it? I was surprised, and um, it's a it's a high stakes gamble by Georgia. Um, and I think Georgia decided she was going to go head on with this nonsense defense. She was going to do it in her case in chief, and. They must have spent the weekend getting Katie ready because uh, my understanding, they weren't going to call Katie. And I think the defense and the whole theory made the state change their mind. Um, I thought Katie did a, an excellent job considering the baggage she carries. And I thought the cross-examination was not that effective. Hmm. Um, I want to introduce people to Kathy, otherwise known as Katie Cool Lady. Kathy, I think you're retired or still working as a psychiatric nurse. but Am I wrong? Retired. Okay, retired. But you have an interesting uh, and somewhat tragic background with your sister. Tell us about that and how that got you involved in true crime and even coming out to trials like this one. Well, the bare bones of that, my sister was a victim of homicide in 1988. Two German brothers came to the United States uh, with a plan to meet and marry American women and Uh, take out life insurance policies on them and kill them. And she was their first and only victim. Mm. So they were both convicted. One died of natural causes in prison. Thank God they were both sentenced to death. The other one reigns on death row. I've been dealing with that for 33 years. 
the appeals process is not for the faint of heart, mm. death penalty appeals, not a fan. Um, but, you know, I've spent so much time in courtrooms and uh, sadly, especially with the appeals process, too much time alone. And so I really came down here. This case just gripped me like it did everybody out there watching. Fancy, we've had a lot of talks about that. You know, years ago, it just gripped me for the same reasons it did everybody else. I've been, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting for these Adelsons to, you know, face justice. And then, you know, because I'm retired, have the means, have a supportive husband, I just said I'm going down there to the trial. And, and so. Kathy, by the way, is one of these people that as genuine as she is on camera, it is exactly how she is in person, even more so coming up to me. First time we met, by the way, I met Tim for the first time. I feel like I've known him a hundred years. Um, and, you know, Kathy was like, well, I'm proud of you. The channel is doing well. And uh, as the great Steve Cohen says, a rising tide lifts all ships. So, Kathy, you have your channel. Uh, what is it? And where do people find it? <laughs> yeah, just winging it. It's um, Katie Cool Lady. YouTube, I think is the name. K D K K A T I E. Cool. One L. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm doing like little morning chit chat, just ideas that I have. Let's have coffee in the morning before court, and then I'm doing an update at noon, and then I'm doing an evening update. Mm. Uh, fancy with you. I never know what I can say and what I can't say, but you're from this general area. But what got you so intrigued in this? And then we'll circle back to Louise and get to Katie. And I'll tell you what, Chris Corbett, the uh, TPD guy with the uh, cell phone information. He wasn't the most, you know, uh, exciting witness, but he's an important witness. We'll get to that. But um, Fancy, to you, what got you so uh, involved in this? You've been following this from the get-go, probably closer than anybody. Um, it was 2016. I found myself in Tallahassee in between a move from... If you, lean, if you lean in too close, it I might see your profile. I was trying to lean into the mic, and I'm almost going to yeah. so get real nervous. You'll be your own worst um, enemy if you do that. So, but anyway, I was in Tallahassee in 2016 at the time of the arrest, in between a move from New York to Los Angeles. And I remember just sort of the cloak and dagger nature of that press conference, which I was watching live on Facebook. You know, we were sealing, we've made an arrest. So I just was like, wanting to figure out the rest of the story. So um, I would travel in and out, but I came back to Tallahassee and I attended a few um, case managements just out of curiosity, just as a case watcher. And I attended uh, Catherine McBanaway's. Uh, Arthur here as well, so I got to see in person the case laid out before, you know, the first time. So I've uh, just been riveted ever since, and that's why I'm here right now. By the way, uh, up to six months ago, I think I had 2020 vision. Now I cannot read a screen. That's two feet for me. So I don't know how many comments I'm going to get to, but let's start um, with Luis Rivera. Um, Tim Jansen, he basically was on the stand uh, being crossed today by uh, Daniel Rashbaum. He was on the stand for the first time on Friday, carried over the weekend. Uh, you told me last night, and I thought this was really interesting. I mean, here's a Latin Kings guy who uh, cut a deal uh, from the streets of Miami. He's illiterate, doesn't give two flying you-know-whats about someone who's a high-profile defense attorney like Daniel Rashbaum. And so you told me that uh, Daniel Rashbaum had to be careful with him. And I noticed a much more... Uh, civil and calm tone because Daniel Rashbaum has gotten a little heated, but not with Luis Rivera. Um, he was very respectful, as is uh, what is required by the street code. What did you make of Luis Rivera's testimony? I thought Luis was Luis, and I think he was truthful, and I think he's a street person, and I think he told it like he remembered it. He didn't have a great memory. He's not the smartest guy, but he's really good at what he does, and that's commit crimes and He's a violent person, 
but he does have limits. He won't kill somebody in front of their kids. Yeah. So even murderers have some integrity. There's honor there. Yes. And I thought that Daniel was not going to take on a Latin king, and he was not going to, what you say, disrespect him on national TV. He was going to cross-examine him carefully, politely, um, and I think he did that for two reasons. One, for his own safety, and two, because he wasn't look good attacking this guy who everybody knows he's not educated, and he's admitted his role in this crime. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's very soft-spoken, uh, neck tats. He looks the part <laughs> of a Latin king. Um, and I, ironically, he doesn't live far from where I grew up. There's a pocket um, just south, or not where I grew up, where I'm living now. Um, and I didn't realize, but it is just south of me, maybe a mile. And it's kind of a hot pocket because, you know, I'm in a city, Miami Beach, and there's this area um, where there are some members of the Latin Kings gang. And right. obviously he ran the North My North uh, Miami Beach um, uh, chapter of the Latin Kings. But to you, Kathy, what was so interesting to me about where we're at in this trial so far, and we'll get to Katie in a moment, but to me, Luis Rivera, despite the horrific things that he has done, came off to me as very genuine and very credible, unlike some of the other witnesses so far. Did you agree with that? Hundred percent. And I think, and what was funny about that Latin Kings thing is that. By the way, real quick, there's a super sticker here from Jen for twenty bucks for our hard work. So thank you to Jen for that. And go ahead, Kathy. So Rajman really thought to get that Latin Kings thing in there. I mean, they had to do a proffer over it, and they had an argument about it. Like you, I was expecting him to come in with big guns about this Latin Kings stuff, and it was nothing. You know, it was really nothing. I thought, yes, he was very genuine. When he didn't know something, he said, I don't know. And, mm -hmm. you know, he didn't know. I thought the strongest thing, though, that Luis Rivera brought was him saying that if he was going to be planning this and doing this, he would just set it up and rob mm -hmm. them because he said he's a jack boy. That's mm -hmm. what he does. Mm -hmm. I was waiting for him to say that. Yeah. He said that last trial. But that's his, his deal. So mm -hmm. if they would do that to Wendy, they would do that to Charlie. Right. So it would be so much easier to know that Charlie has stacked some money in his safe and just go set it up like you're going to do the hit, but go rob him and get the money anyway and not have to go several steps to extort and all this complication and kill somebody. So, I mean, I extrapolated that from what he said, and mm -hmm. I hope they kind of tie that up later. Uh, fancy to you. Uh, what did you think um, as you are uh, Instagramming your minions right now? But, uh, and I know you're, you're battling with some of... Uh, <laughs> You're already battling with some of the former witnesses in this trial. I won't name names, but um, I looked at Fancy the wrong way today, and she gave me a look my mom gives me. Um, what did you think of Luis Rivera on the stand? Do you think it helped the state's case? I do. I think he, he seems cleaner and crisper. Um, we didn't know something. He was very obvious. He just he seemed incredible and like he was um, coming across, and I think the way that Rashmon handled him was much different than the prior attorneys. Um, and so just, I guess, when the jurors come out, be interested to hear what they say in terms of, did they find Luis Rivera a likable guy? Say, hey, you know, I'm a salute. So I actually went to some of Luis uh, Rivera's family's Instagrams, you know, years ago. And I found a photo of him with his family, kids around at Dave & Buster's playing air hockey with this family just a few days uh, before either one of the June or July trips. I have it on my Instagram. So he's a man with a family, and I just mm -hmm. don't think 
it would be hard to erase that with the way that he was presenting himself. And I found him to be a murderer, but he seemed to be humanized in a way that I could possibly trust what he's saying. So that, that's what I got from it. And, and remember the crimes that he's committing. Mm -hmm. These are the crimes, lower level crimes, mm -hmm. prostitution, drugs, robberies. He's not going to go to this fancy family and commit a murder. He even said, I would have rather, I would have just done a robbery, much easier, cleaner, and what I'm used to doing. Mm -hmm. So that really undercuts the theory of the defense. That's a great point. Um, so there's some details here, uh, Tim. He said he was paid $37,000 out of a $100,000 payment, uh, which is implied by the state that was made um, by Charlie Adelson. Uh, and he, he used the phrase again, hired by a lady at mm -hmm. one point. Uh, that lady, uh, we presume, is Donna, maybe Wendy, but that is the assumption right there. Um, and Daniel Rashbaum went on this whole, you know, tangent about, you know, Katie and Sigfredo trying to lie to you. Uh, they were lying to you to sort of build up this defense theory that this was all an extortion plot that was masterminded by Katie. Before we get to the essence of that theory, what was the purpose of having Luis Rivera on the stand for the state today? What were they trying to accomplish with him? I think they wanted to have somebody that was involved in the actual killing. Now, this jury hasn't seen all the details. They didn't know the details. They've only heard an opening. Uh, they heard some people testify about the injuries and a neighbor. Now they wanted an, an actual participant. And they got a guy down in South Florida who doesn't know Dan Markell, has no reason to come up here and commit this crime. He was brought in by Sigfredo. Sigfredo was brought in by Cat. Katie, as he called her. And when they were going to get paid, he heard the conversation. Katie paid him. And he said it was for the lady. It was for the lady. Now, do we know if it's Donna or we think it's Wendy? I assume it's Wendy. Uh, I don't think it was Donna. Yeah. Donna wasn't getting her hands that close. Yeah. The only person Donna was talking to was Charlie. Uh -huh. And I, I think it has built in a little buffer for Wendy. But I think Katie's testimony today really opens up Donna. Well, as far as, yeah, fancy, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys know this case better than I do, and I have no ego about that, but is this the first, because we heard Luis Rivera mention Wendy by name, but I don't think that happened at either the first uh, trials. Is that right? This is the first time we heard him mention Wendy by name. Is that right? Mm, I mean, I can't, I'm trying to think of a line from the trials where he you know, said Wendy and it's not coming to me, but I do know it has always been his testimony that he, they were driving, woman on the road, that either they thought that was Wendy or was Wendy. That doesn't matter to me right now. What matters to me is the information exchange we got that, what the information Louise got, which is that Sigfredo turned to him and said, oh, that's the lady, that's my homie. Um, and so, you know, and, and heard it Wendy, and that's when Louise said in his proffer, and that's when I knew her name, the lady's name. So a lot of people came out early on and said, no, the wind is done. Uh, you know, we got to protect Wendy. Um, and always trying to make it seem like the woman was done right there. It's crystal clear, undeniable. That's the lady. That's my homie. That's Wendy. That is the information that police had on Wendy. So, uh, Kathy, back to you. Um, 
by the way, shout out to Blind Dead who gave us a super sticker. And since I am blind, speaking of blind, <laughs> 1999, I can't. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And plus, plus my glasses are ridiculous. It's Bindle Sticks. Oh, sorry, CEO, COE, whatever your name is. Thank you. By the way, shout out to the COE who's in uh, Miami Beach holding down the fort. She terrified me because she said tomorrow I think I'll have Carm come on while you're in court, which could be an unmitigated disaster. Uh, but then she advised me that Carm will be uh, messaging in the chat. Maybe she'll pop in. I would have to have uh, reins like on a horse from up here to control her. But we'll see. Maybe Tim and Carm will run away together and uh, start a new show. Um, that's possible. possible. You, just, you just never know. Uh, don't want your wife to get upset. So. Fancy? I just want to tag on one thing right before I get it because it's so funny. I hope it's not about my mom and Tim running away. But go on. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's just so fun, such a funny moment when you're in it ties into your question to me, which is the fact that um, when they were talking about when Georgie kept saying, Do you read Prof's blog? Do you read Prof's oh blog? So basically later someone brought up, you know, who's the what's the what's the the blog? And um, he thought he heard blonde. And he said, Wendy. He was saying, Wendy was the bomb. I don't know if you want to pick up on that, but that, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so, and that's what I, yeah, that, that's the whole thing where I keep, he basically like called to me, like called out Wendy in a roundabout kind of way. Um, so Luis is on the stand, uh, Kathy, and he's basically saying that uh, they were doing this to help uh, the lady get her kids back, presumably Wendy. Um, and then he goes, Daniel Rashbaum goes on this whole thing about how Katie and Sigfredo, and these are all notes I was just taking in court here, so probably not the best uh, flow, but I'm going off of what I did earlier this morning. But Katie and Sigfredo, uh, Rashbaum tells Luis Rivera that they lied to you. You thought it was this robbery, which Tim was just talking about. They lied to you about the purpose of the trip, the lady on the street, the money you received. Um, and basically tried to put it on uh on on katie right and that's been the whole theory of this case and then louise out of nowhere i thought this was interesting cuts off rashbound and says but where'd they get the money from and i don't know if you remember this distinctly but that was a oh crap moment for the defense because that wasn't a question that he was being asked it was something he offered sure. powerful right mm -hmm. right so yeah. i mean what you know, what did you think? Um, he had a couple of moments like that, but that was the one that really stood out to me. Um, he's got nothing to be gained from this. He cut oh. his deal already, right? Yeah. So, And you can tell with Luis, family is important to him, and he considers Sig Sigfredo his brother. So I thought mm -hmm. another benefit of bringing him on is it's sort of like bringing in Sigfredo by proxy, because I don't think they're going to call him. So the jury is going to look at these two best friends. They're going to look at Luis and think, well, Sigfredo is like this. And, you know, Luis just doesn't come across as a mastermind, you know, and even he's saying, like, are you crazy? You know, I, mean, he's, I don't know exactly what he said, but in response to this notion that they would be this, you know, complicated extortion plot coming from him is almost like Sigfredo, kind of the same thing. They're, they're trying to paint Sigfredo as this intelligent mastermind that somehow thinks if you can murder somebody and then turn around and what blame somebody else and pull money out yeah. of them. And literally during that entire time, Luis repeated over and over that Sigfredo would drink all day, do cocaine <laughs> and was out of his and mind. Shoot, shoot a gun the car. So, I mean, he's like the together one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, Luis is definitely the together one. Yeah. So he went on Tim with this line of questioning. And again, this is Rashbaum to Luis Rivera. 
uh, one, uh, you know, Latin Kings gang member. So he said to him, you, you just wanted to rob. And then he pivots and he goes, you never met Donna, Charlie or Wendy, which to me was sort of counterintuitive. And I was having a hard time following it because if you're bringing that point up, then why are you extorting this family? But he's and he says, no, Luis says, no, I've never met anyone. But he says, well, you've known Sigfredo your whole life. So he's trying to portray this picture of best friends. And he says, yes, we're like brothers. Uh, and then he pivots to this whole story about how Sigfredo, when he sees Katie on a day where Charlie's got his water skis, which I can mm -hmm. picture since I live in this neighborhood and it's obnoxious. Um, and, you know, he's got these water skis. Sigfredo gets enraged because this is his baby mama with another man. Mm -hmm. um, and Daniel Rashbaum takes us down this road of a story where Sigfredo wanted to run over Charlie. And we heard that in the opening. What, are, what is he trying to accomplish here that because he hated Charlie so much, he helped Katie somehow with an extortion plot? It just doesn't add up. You know, Rashbaum said puzzle pieces, puzzle pieces. The puzzle's not adding up. Yeah, I don't know what kind of puzzles he did as a kid. Yeah. Um, but clearly, Sigfredo is a reactionary. He's a violent, reactionary person. He's not a planning person. Um, he makes Lewis look like the smart guy, right? Um, so I don't think that fits his narrative that Sigfredo, who hates Charlie, is going to do a favor for, for Charlie by killing his sister's nemesis ex-husband. Um, it just doesn't, none of it adds up. It looks, it, it looks more like you're trying to put a puzzle together. You're forcing pieces in that don't. And now he's got the problem with Wendy's testimony, with K Katie's testimony now. Uh, and none of the pieces are even in the same era of this puzzle. Uh, and I, I don't know where Daniel goes now. Does he still call Charlie? He tried to get a lot of information through Katie, so he didn't have to call Charlie. But Katie denied all of it, you know. And Sigfredo, they're not going to call Sigfredo. Sigfredo was the shooter. They never really give a deal to a shooter if they can give it to someone else. Could, could Sigfredo add anything that Luis really didn't? Probably he could. Yeah. Because he's the one that was doing the, remember the phone call you called the bump and, and they had that whole messaging thing. Yeah, and he also called uh, Harvey's office by mistake. And he called because he was pissed, he was pissed he which was shows he's pissed and he's a reactionist. Yeah. He's not going to plot out something and schedule it. He's just going to do it. Yeah. That's, that's not how this crime was committed. Did you think uh, Rashbaum's questioning of Luis was kind of jumbled or did it make sense to you, Fancy? I mean, nothing makes sense that Rashbaum's saying. You know, he's got, he's, he's talking about a plot that's like NASA level, you know, detailed, <laughs> you know, putting it together. So um, I thought that, I think he did as good, he's doing as good as he can, I guess, with the set of facts he's been given to work with. But um, I just am kind of agnostic about the, the Luis exchange. That was not, maybe it's because I've heard Luis three times already. It's not exciting to me personally. It's not sitting, but mm -hmm. I thought it was okay. I'm just, it's average to me. I'm just, I don't have strong feelings. And uh, Sunny M, another super sticker. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, so uh, this was kind of funny too, I think. Uh, not funny. That's the definitely the wrong word. But when Katie finds out, Rashbaum asks him that you, that uh, it, your first trip to Tallahassee wasn't successful. Was she really angry? 
Um, I don't know what kind of answer Daniel Rashbaum was looking for there, but Louis, and it seems like he'd be looking for a yes, she'd be really upset because she's extorting him. That's what I would expect. But his answer was no, not really. She wasn't upset. So that again, that goes against the theory. Is he going up a down escalator here, Kathy Rashbaum? I don't know what he's doing, but like all I can say is when he did his opening, he was talking about the puzzle pieces. I really couldn't tell if he's trying to say the puzzle pieces are going to fit together or you're trying to jam the wrong puzzle piece into the puzzle or both. I mean, it, his puzzle analogy just didn't make any sense to me. And it's showing through his questioning. I, the only thing I can come up with today is that he's just throwing anything in there, hoping that some little doubt will drop into one juror's mind that will spin into some sort of reasonable doubt and they can hang the jury. Because he's not putting together a cohesive story. Like, just for an example, on one hand, he's saying that he's so mad at Siegfried who he's trying to run him off the road. On the other hand, he wants to keep extorting him for life. You know, he's talking about this trajectory of all this money coming for life. Well, you can't do that with a dead man. So, and he's not, like, putting those, and he'll say those kind of things in the same sentence, practically. So, he's all over the place. I almost kind of feel sorry for him. Fancy, you know what? I'm going to make you a co-producer of this. Can you read that? chat right there that's yeah. the, you know can you be my reader since you're right there are you you're more but you can't touch that because you'll mess up our camera shot um i can try i'm a bit of an angle and i'm staring right into the light no the, the orange one though can you oh, read that orange one, yes. um joel please buy everyone a coffee on me tomorrow morning thank you for all your hard work oh thank, thank you me. so much appreciate that very much um i want to get to the jurors because they're interesting to me coe how are you <laughs> Hey there, before we get to the jurors, that was Cara Leslie that just gave the $20 super chat. So we want to thank her. I'm going to be emailing Tim Jansen comments so that you can read the comments out loud. Tim, you have your phone? Uh, I've got my putting Tim to work. Why don't you send him to me? You can't do that. I've been texting you. You can send my, I got my phone. Are you texting them? Yes, I'm texting them. So everyone can ask Okay. All of our guests' comments, and Joel's going to be reading them from the phone. I'll Thanks say it again. Whoever doesn't think we're one day going to be the halftime show of the Super Bowl, they're gravely oh. mistaken. With this kind of production value, we are destined for Super Bowl halftime fame. Um, so the jurors, actually. Let's go to them for a minute before we get back to uh, to George's redirect of Luis, because I thought that was interesting, too. Oh, but Oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. This is per- beautiful. Uh there was stay up there. So that, uh, was that that was Kara Leslie. Um, you you can send them to me too, Coe. So, what has been your? Uh, by the way, or I shouldn't say this, but I heard you've been giving some of the jurors nicknames here and there. But uh, well, there's one juror in particular who every time Daniel Rashbaum speaks, he's very engaged and he's leaning forward and he's sort of smirking or smiling at times. And I cannot tell if he's aligned with what Daniel Rashbaum is saying or sort of poking fun at the way he's saying things. It's very hard to tell, but he, yeah, but he'd be the one juror um, that I think, you know, is a juror of potential concern for both sides. Cause I don't know what he's thinking. The others seem to be pretty benign um, stoical and just kind of watching. Is that is that what you found? Today's the first day I felt that. And for anybody that's following me, it's businessman. He's I have mm-hmm. I have them all named. Um, and it's today's the first day that I noticed that about him. It, and I saw exactly what you're saying with him. And he is a heart. He does have a smirk on his face a lot. Today he did. 
Um, but I did not notice that before today. So I don't know how to read that. But what I can say in general, because I'm watching like note taking behavior and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm sitting where I'm sitting, because I can see them better, yeah. um, is that they generally take more notes with direct, mm-hmm. um, less notes with cross. Very interesting. I don't think he's making that with cross you know i think they're the information is mostly coming out with the direct now you just saying that shows me how much experience because you've been to many trials right you mm-hmm. you watch trials so that's something that uh is very interesting that you just i'll tell you up. one thing that made me feel really good is that um wendy as i think i called it her bobblehead routine because mm-hmm. she was re- desperately trying to connect with them and not one mm-hmm. looked at her when, mm-hmm. when they came in and out which yeah. made me feel good um Jared Tessis, what happened during Chris Corbett's testimony on the witness stand with, with a juror? There was a break. Someone kept asking about that. That's a good question. Someone Somebody asked if a juror fell sick. Do you know? I, I Fancy knows. Of course she knows. I actually heard it, and the juror said, I'm feeling really sick. Hmm. And so they excused themselves, and the judge said, are you able to continue? And they said yes. So okay. that's what was the juror felt sick. And, and, and how long was that one of these 10-minute recesses? It was about... It was about a 10 minute recess. You hope it's not the flu. Yeah. That or anything be. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would or be. Or what Donna has right now. By the way, Catherine Regier, who's in Maui, uh, one of the nicest people, uh, just gifted 10 memberships. Um, I, I apologize. I don't know the name of the woman in front of me, but we walked in and she was excited to see Steve Cohen and uh, Surviving the Survivor there. <laughs> and she said, she showed me someone had just gifted her a membership so uh people are really very grateful and thankful when that happens speaking of that i want to know if anybody i was raising my laptop today for the first time so maybe <laughs> did, did any did my stickers show up you on know what? I, have some, I have stickers and some pens in my bag like lifting it a little bit so <laughs> thank really you Kathy. Stream. free uh free advertising i'll take it um tim chanson that was an interesting point when you're uh in defense mode, are yeah. you looking at jurors to see what kind of notes they're taking? If they're taking notes when you're speaking or when the state's speaking, that that was an interesting point by Kathy. Um, that's difficult to do. When you're standing at the podium, you're you're, you're focusing on the witness mm-hmm. and the questions you have and the and uh, where you want to go. You have a goal with each witness, right? You just don't get up there and talk. Mm-hmm. But you have a goal, and you got points that they made on direct. You need to clean up, or you have your defense, and you want them to help your defense by getting them to admit certain things. You don't have time to look at it. Sometimes you do. Um, and there was a point today when he was cross-examining um, Katie and he went on his tirade and then he would turn to the jury and wasn't even looking at Katie. And it's clear he wasn't asking questions. He was merely testifying. He was giving arguments. Uh, at one point, Katie said, can you show me something? And he goes, no, I'm not going to show you anything. I'm just going to keep basically talking my points until Georgia objects. And I'm surprised she didn't object. But you don't really have time to do that, to look at the jury. Um, you do in closing arguments, and I've, I've had that before, where you're doing a closing and the juror turns away, and you're like, oh, and then you move closer, get, and then you know you're in trouble. <laughs> Been there. It's a bad feeling. Yeah. Uh, Fancy, your impression of the uh, jurors, they're obviously the most important people in that room. Um, Well, the first thing I did is making sure it wasn't anyone I went to high school with. (laughs) Um, But um, just average people, actually, you know, it was nice to see minorities there um, because, uh, you know, growing up here, it's just, I don't know, it's very 
small little town. I just wor- I'm just worried people would get there that would you know relate to Charlie or I don't know. But it's, I felt like it's a nice composite of um, where I think would be a fair jury. They're all paying attention. Um, I am watching when they're taking notes, and I agree with uh, Katie Coley and Kathy about that. Um, I have no idea how to read a jury. They seem to laugh at points that there was a big laugh moment about uh, Rashvam. I forgot what it was, but it was disparaging to him. And the jurors are laughing, you know. Um, so I get the sense, I get the sense they're listening, but um, I don't know. I, I hope that they're on our side. We'll see. You know, after lunch, I was actually uh, kind of stuck in a line with them um, on the on the way up the elevator. And it was interesting to hear them talking. Obviously, they're not talking about the case, but just my very first impressions, uh, very well educated and very serious. Like they were serious about, you know, getting back from lunch, getting up there on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were animated. They looked like they were interested in being there. So that's important. That's one thing that I noticed too, that is different than other juries I've seen, is that even when there's so, there's some long sidebars and they do not interact with each other, mm-hmm. almost never. You know, and sometimes you'll see them just, you know, chit-chatting about whatever while they're sitting in the jury. This jury does not, they're just sitting What there. What does that tell you? They're serious. They're yeah. being very serious. They're staying in the moment. They're staying present. They're staying focused on what's going on in the courtroom. They're not breaking that, you know, to have final chit chat with each other. I like this jury. So, so Joe Tallahassee is one of the most educated towns in 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 state. We have three universities here. Yeah. The community college. It's not a community college anymore, but it probably has fifteen thousand. FAMU's probably got about seventeen or eighteen thousand. FSU probably got about sixty thousand. Beautiful city, by the way. And a lot of people stay here. Because they like it up here, they like to change the weather. They, they they like less crime, less traffic. Uh, so you have an educated uh, jury pool. Yeah, I I could tell right away. Just the few minutes that I was there. Um, by the way, parked all day, forgot my ticket. That was me Moen's job. And uh, New York City it would have cost me fifty bucks. Seven bucks. Seven bucks. Same with LA. Yeah. Seven dollars. I'm thinking of moving to Tallahassee, Tim, right next door to you. Kamala Norris has a uh, comment here uh, for you, Kathy. Do you think that Daniel Rashbaum raising his voice to a woman on the stand plays well with a Southern jury? Before you answer that, every person here is so nice that it makes me nervous. I think he asked the direction. And they don't just tell you the directions, they walk with you. They do. Uh, is that going to be a problem to have kind of uh, aggressive man, Daniel Rashbaum, on the stand? I didn't think about that in that respect with her being a woman, because let's face it, she's in prison for life for being a murderer, you know? So, I mean, she's not a nice person. She's not a nice woman. Um, and But what I found interesting is that he has raised his voice twice with two jurors. I mean, two witnesses. One was Jeff LaCasse and the other is Katie. And the rest of the um, cross-examinations are quite tame. Um, and that what that reads to me, I'm a biased person, but what it reads to me is he's signaling to the jury, these are my most dangerous witnesses. These are the ones that are going to bury my client. And so he's pushing that indignance because he's not consistent with that. So it just comes out. And they are so far, they kind of have been the worst, you know, the most dangerous for, for Charlie, I think. So anyway, that's what I'm dropping um, pearls of wisdom here. This is actually really interesting. Um, Carrie Lama, uh, the a coffee or she gave us a super sticker, twenty bucks, a coffee or sandwich on me for all y'all's hard work. 
I watch both trials, and it's so much better getting to hear y'all's inside info and thoughts. P.S. How bad does Charlie need a vitamin or at least some iron pills? Jeez, uh, probably does, but I'm not one to talk because I get pasty real quick. By the way, change of weather. It's supposed to be 60 degrees here on Wednesday. What's going on? Beautiful. It's like a 25-degree drop. I don't think I can handle that. Uh, Steve, Steve, Meave, and I will be uh, ill uh, the minute that happens. We're going to get the flu. We are vulnerable. Um, So, fancy. Uh, Georgia Kaplan comes back out uh, with a redirect of Luis Rivera and you know, Daniel Rashbaum was saying that you've been lied to, you've been lied to, you've been lied to by these horrible people, Secreta Garcia and Katie McBanawa. And she comes out and says, do you know if these were lies? And he responds, no. Uh, and then he said, when Secreto told you he wanted to run over Charlie Adelson, what was he acting like? Was he angry, pissed? Was he drunk? Was he on cocaine? And uh, he said, he was mad because she's. She, he said she was cheating on me, and you never want your baby mama cheating on you. He was very practical. Again, he he wasn't, in my opinion, not goaded in by Daniel Rashbaum. Did that kind of deflect anything Rashbaum was actually trying to say or do? Um, I'm not sure, but I think that him coming from the the, you know, the criminal underbelly world. I mean, he stays people down where his life's on the line, so he can you know make a living. So I just I find him very steely and very cool, and he's probably sick. He's done this three times now, so he's got you know man, he's the smartest guy, but he has he's had to come three times and retell the same story and face the same cross, you know, different lawyers. So I think he's just feels very confident. Feels like you know third time's a charm. Um, so I don't think Rothbaum was successful with Lisa Rick. Yeah, Louise to me just seems like, what are you going to do? Why are you, you know, I'm just going to tell you the truth and I want to go back to my cell and just serve out my time. That's the sense I get from him that he just couldn't care less. Uh, so, you know, he, you know, he's prepared, right? You know who's on that defense team? Who's that? Monica Jordan. Uh, oh, there you go. Our friend Monica, who might join us tomorrow, Meemo, and we already put a call. She was over there with Lewis. And she's uh, Tim's private investigator. I want to ask you about that. That's interesting. But John, John Patzel gave us a super sticker. And uh, why didn't Georgia, i uh, throw this to you, Kathy, without having even read this. Why didn't Georgia ask Katie about how she knew the hit happened, the way it went down? Why not? I'm, I have no idea. And I'm, well, she must know the answer to the question yeah. and not want it to come out. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was sitting here all day waiting for that one. Mm-hmm. You know, like that I know comment. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, she maybe maybe she didn't say. I don't know. Maybe she said she'll say she didn't say that. But um, that was my one disappointment of today. Tim Jansen, was that a big miss, or is there a reason? Like like Kathy just said, she, every attorney knows the answer that's coming. She had to have asked it, right? One, you never ask a question you don't know the answer. Two. You absolutely never ask a question. You know the answer, and it's bad for you. <laughs> she obviously knew after 12 hours of prep what that answer was going to be. That was a mistake by Rashbaum. I thought there was a re- the weird thing about when, when Sigfredo called Katie and said it's done, and I was trying to listen, and she said, I already know. No one followed up on that. How she knew, and yes. I was waiting to see if, if Katie was going to say something, 
or Luis was going to say something. But so, Luis said, I heard her say, "We, I already know. So explain that, because I was asking about that last night. So at whatever time, and I remember Carl Steinbeck, yeah, he, he well, Carl Steinbeck timestamped it with Wendy saying that, you're talking about the extortion plot right now, right? I'm talking about the first after time. the murder was over, they're driving down about 1235 or something. Oh, okay. They call Katie different. and he says, it's done. Right. And he said he hear, heard Katie said, I already know. Correct. How okay. did she know? Okay. It's Wendy or nothing. I mean. I thought you were talking about the extortion. No, but Yeah, well, no, no, I'm sorry. That was my fault. But so what do you, it's Wendy or nothing, right? It, it has to be. And I mean, that's the nail in the coffin for all the rest of them. If, if, if she had said, which I was hoping she would, Wendy let Charlie know, Charlie let me know, yeah. that's how I know. It speaks to the cruising the crime scene, which Fancy and I did yesterday. So, you know, there's total clarity that she's lied about that. Um, you know, it all it all comes together with that. I don't know why that wasn't addressed today. And so what so what is your theory about why she didn't follow up with that? How did you know? either she knows they've at, trust me, they they would ask her a hundred times. If they're putting Lewis up there and Lewis is gonna say that Sigfredo called her and said we already know, that's a piece of the puzzle that would tie Wendy to this. And that go goes along with her being near the crime scene. It wasn't readily, it certainly wasn't released by 1230 that this guy had been killed. I mean, I think it was like four or five o'clock when they finally, because they cordoned off that whole area and no, no media is already past mid, uh, noon news. So had to be someone on the inside if that's true. Let me ask you this, Tim. Could it be that like that really isn't about Charlie? That's more about Wendy. So that would be like saved for a Wendy trial. I, I think that may be right. Hmm. But if you okay, well, Nancy, tell us how Nancy's going to tell us all. Okay, so George even indicated this in a previous trial. I don't know which one, but she said that when Sigfredo called her and said it's done, and she said I know, it kind of would be like, yeah, I know because you're calling me, and I told you to call me when it's done. And so that's just that's what people have to step outside the box and think of. You know, that could be easily be something to do, like saying. You know, I'm going to go to the grocery store later or whatever, and then on the way back, you know, I'll give you a call. And so they call and say, hey, I went to the grocery store. Yeah, I know. And so as you said, you called me. It's plausible. Much like how Wendy said she took the route, the route she did or went to the liquor store she did because that's the first one thing that popped up in her head that popped up. But she didn't indicate it when it popped up in a GPS, which means she's a total liar. You can't live in Tallahassee for seven years and not have a good understanding of how many liquor stores, stores there are and where they are because you can count them on your hand. So, but, but so if you put it in, just saying she put it in the GPS and that just happened to be the one that came up, or it's the first one that popped in their, her head that she remembered. So there's, I think there's different ways to think about that. So I, I'm really not so convinced that um, the I know there is as heavy or else wouldn't it have been used? Yeah. yeah. Um, pizza driver sending Alpha Horace from Buenos Aires to Katie and you guys, Katie Cool Lady. Uh, Bugs, if you want to translate to the gringo, I have no idea what Alpha Horace is, but I think it's the thing with the little caramel, which I actually love. And sometimes I'll go to the little Cuban markets and buy that and eat seven of them without you or the kids ever knowing. But Correct me and let me know if I'm right about that. Who said that? Because uh, I have a friend in Argentina who's following oh, the trial. Who was they go by here. pizza driver, okay. but it's for you. Oh, um, I know who it is. Katie Cool Lady quickly becoming, she's uh, rivaling Tim Jansen right now with popularity. <laughs> Question, I don't know what this is. So I'm just going to ask it. Has the prosecution 
risked convincing the jury that it was Wendy and not Charlie who was the mastermind. That is interesting. That's interesting. Um, what do you think of that, Tim? Have they gone? It makes no difference. He paid mm -hmm. the money. He's a co-conspirator. Uh, he's part of the conspiracy by paying the hitman, by providing the Mission Impossible envelope with the name and the pictures of the person. Those are all signs of credibility. It's a detail that, that Katie gave that she, she made that up. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Lewis said he had a piece of paper. Um, she didn't even know who Dan Mark. She didn't even know his name. How could she have given the address? If you believe her. Uh, so but it all goes back to Charlie. By the way, Wesley John Holmes, an Aussie living in Tokyo with a super sticker here. STS getting the job done in tally. I love Wesley John Holmes photo, by the way. It looks like a CIA agent in uh, in Tokyo. He might be. Well, not CIA, but whatever. What is the Australian, Australian equivalent of the CIA? Let me know, Wesley. Uh, Meg P with another other super sticker, perhaps the most important. Joel, I think Tim needs to stand up. It must be the nurse in me. Tim, do you feel the need to stand right now? <laughs> no, I'm actually okay. This right. position is okay. Thank you, everybody. Mm. Earlier today, they were telling me, go to bed. You look tired. By the way, McSpunky and Frankie Figs, both uh, friends of the show, and they are giving us super stickers. So uh, one of the other things that uh, Tim and I were talking about, uh, fancy fiction, and you're, you're um, I'm losing you because you're in the corner hiding from us. So I have to remind myself that you are there. Um, and you're a tiny person, so you're disappearing on me. Um, Wendy Adelson on the stand, this is a little out of uh, the circle of events today, but on the stand at 448, whatever day she testified, I already forgot, said that she was just hearing about this double extortion plot. The question is, she wasn't in the courtroom. How does she know that? <laughs> She's working up. Yeah. How does she know that, fancy fiction? Um. Maybe it's, you know, she's a magic maker, right? That's, mm. what, that's what her shirt said at the Coca-Cola conference. Mm. And today we read a text where Donna called Charlie a miracle worker. And then we know that Donna is a mischief maker in Wheel of Fortune. Um, yes, what was your question? I forgot. I well, so she announced in court this is the first time I'm oh. ever hearing of this nine-year-old double extortion plot. But she wasn't in court. She wasn't supposed to be, you know... Listening to testimony, yeah. how did she know this? Yes, she was technically sequestered during that time. And we know that her lawyer is very, very strict about not letting Wendy watch any media related mm -hmm. to the case or talk to her mom, brother, or dad about it since the murder. So she doesn't know. She's living in La La Land. So obviously she knows. Um, just, I really think Georgia got her on that. Um, oh, you just learned, are you not mad? Well, I'm mad about many things, but isn't that one of them? You know, she's just, man, she's such a phony. So, but yeah, um, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to make of that. But more importantly, I don't know what to make of the people that support Wendy and the Adelsons that are somehow able to buy that and just overlook the fact that Wendy all of a sudden gets to wake up one day and learn that her mom and her brother knew who the killers were all along and never told her. Now, one more point. This is where Rosh Bomb screwed up on that in terms of this extortion and this plot not knowing. When he went after Jeffrey Lacax, one of his biggest points where he raised his voice is he said, you know, you didn't go to the police. You didn't, you could have maybe stopped this murder. Well, it's not because it was in the past. And also, too, when he went to go talk to TPD, you watch those interviews, I got the sense that they really didn't believe him. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so he had gone and said, my, this girl out of the blues, that's her, it was breaking up with me. And, and she told me about something that was going to be done a year ago. He did laugh down the building. But meanwhile, it's totally okay for his client, Charlie, to withhold for a year off all these murderers because he's so scared and such a coward. But meanwhile, saying the same thing about Jeff. It's just, he didn't, I don't know if he thought of how that would look. Is Captain Jeff as a coward that wouldn't do the right thing and go to the police? Meanwhile, that's what he's saying. His defense theory is that Charlie was so scared about the police. Yeah, there's a lot of contradictions. Go ahead, Kathy. No, I was just, I, I was just agreeing with her. Yeah. That's what happens when you have a contrived defense and then you forget your contrived defense <laughs> and you're doing your normal cross-examination is to undercut the credibility and you forget mm. that they're not compatible. Yeah. yeah. Until after you sat down. <laughs> it really is. I mean, to his uh, puzzle pieces point, it is, it is really amazing how many pieces go into conducting and staying on top of a trial in a, uh, in, in a, in a, in a, yeah, I don't even want to go there. Um, someone very small from the uh, world of uh, Dan Martell and, and the Adelsons just popped up on Tim's phone, but we'll leave it a, a mystery to you. Um, from Elizabeth Winchester, uh, question, question for Tim, what crimes, this is a big one now, let's see if Tim has changed his uh, tune here. What crimes, if any, do you see the state being able to charge Wendy with? Mm. They need an, they need another link. She still has a built-in buffer between the mom. Um, the mother really doesn't have that much of a buffer anymore. And I think with the testimony today, um, I think Georgia could charge the mother. And then the mother would have to come testify, answer some questions that might open the can and get that link to Wendy, taking them one at a time. Um, But, you know, Wendy benefited the most. And I was hoping that we could have gotten that response from Lewis or Katie that she knew about the murder at 1230 because Wendy called Charlie and Charlie called Katie. I was hoping for that link and I don't think we got it. If we did, um, I think that Georgia would have asked it and I think Wendy would be a defender. Here's another interesting question. Um, bring, it brings up a whole other point from the Law RN, and I'll throw this to Kathy uh, with a caveat once I ask the question. What about these new texts we have uh, that we've never seen? The Charlie and Donna texts are a whole series of texts today. And one of the things that is being couched by the state this time around, and they nailed Wendy with this on the stand, but she was mortified. They said to her, Georgia said, wasn't that big surprise birthday party for your dad or the 70th birthday party? I don't know if it was a surprise, but wasn't that birthday present for for your dad for his 70th, the murder of Dan Markell? And she turned bright red and said, how could you say that? Um, But today there's all this chatter. Now we kind of know between these texts between Donna and Charlie, and they're talking about dad's 70th birthday gift. And we know they speak in code. At one point today, Georgia even put a sheet up of code words uh, from Dolce Vita, I think it was. But do you think that the state is, um, they're kind of building the strategy with this whole notion of this birthday present, and this was the present? I think they definitely are. I've been waiting for that. I thought it might come in through Katie, like maybe Charlie had said that to Katie and she might have testified to that. I was waiting because I knew Georgia was dropping breadcrumbs about that, you know, the birthday present um, before now. 
and this is how it's coming in. I do think that they're going to have to really spell that out, though, because it also relates to the dates so that those texts were made. And like they, they're going to have to really spell that out because I can see some people dismissing that. Personally, I think that's what they were referring to. I think they were I think they are that sick. I think they're that evil that they were referring to his birthday present as, you know, killing this completely innocent person. It's just so bad. And I think they were, it's just so awful that like they're in a Panera brick bathroom discussing this depraved thing. It, it's, it's, it's just very hard to understand, but I, I do think that's what they were referring to. And I think these, but I do think these texts are going to have to be really, really explained to the jury, you know, in like the closing argument. I do. And, and you know what, Kathy's reaction, I think is really important because I think there's a lot of people, especially obviously in the true crime world who have been through this in some way, shape or form with someone that they know or been a victim. And obviously Kathy's family, uh, her own sister murdered. So um, just the, depravity of discussing it. And that is the presumption right now that they were talking about this birthday present being this murder. Um, it's really, it's, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around how people could actually think, not just think that, but then carry it out. Uh, people say things like that, I think all the time, just joking or, you know, in a sarcastic kind of way, but then they, they took the step of carrying this out is just, no next level with that thought though one more thing is that i, I think through the phone records or something today i crossed a, a barrier of believing that harvey was completely in on it with with all of them i've you know i've been kind of like how far when did he know or whatever after today and i think maybe it was looking at the phone records and how they laid all that out i thought he's right he's right in there with by the way uh credit to my mom she's been saying that from day one that we've learned she about has. this case she says that harvey's as guilty and she says that because my own father may he rest in peace never would have heard a fly my father one of the sweetest guys alive but he was sort of the quiet um yin to my mom's yang and uh don and harvey i don't think we're doing stuff without knowing about it the whole family was just way too intertwined the, way the too they shared an email yeah yeah, yeah. Um, here's a super sticker from Esther N. It seems, uh, and this will go to you, Tim, it seems so obvious there's no extortion. And goes on to say that Rashbaum knew of the sweet talk after the murder between Madman Nua and Charlie Adelson. We heard those texts that were mm -hmm. super friendly. Mm -hmm. um, does he have something up his sleeve? Because again, and that's in my notes further down, after the murder is carried out, Charlie and Katie are lovey-dovey. Um, so if this was truly an extortion plot masterminded by her and she just got what she wanted, why is she going to stick around and be Charlie's little sweet, you know, girlfriend after the fact? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Um, I believe that Daniel did not believe that the state would call Katie. He did not anticipate them calling mm. her. Interesting. It kind of hurt his, and I don't think he was prepared for a cross at that point. Um, and it's true. The relationship after the whole this whole extortion was lovey-dovey. Um, get back to the premise of this defense was contrived over a year, and I think they built it around the Dolce Vita tape and the recordings, and that's what they were relying on. They were relying in impeaching or getting those statements that were bad for them and giving them a different twist 
and then having the whole thing fit like a puzzle. One other thing to the stapled money. Yeah. And they they had to get the stapled money because he knew that was coming in by an independent girlfriend. So this fit their story and was built in a lab. That's not going to survive reality of a courtroom and witnesses that testify. And I would like to say, we all know Charlie, right? We've heard of him. He's very involved in his own defense. So I have no doubt that he was cooking up this plan, really convincing himself that this was going to work and then potentially get on the stand and try to sell it all to us, which will be very fun. What do you think? Is he going to take the stand? You know, you, you get down on that bridge and you, what's the old saying? You're in the pool. You might as well swim. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he has a way out. Doesn't he have to explain Dolce Vita too? I I think he, with that opening, he has to testify. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be wild. In terms of the pace of a trial, Tim, how fast is this moving right now? I mean, do you anticipate this being over by early next week? I think Charlie could be on the stand by Friday. Wow. Or maybe Monday. Maybe Moen. We might be stuck in Tallahassee. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to have to get a permission slip from the COE. John Patzel gave us another super sticker, so thank you. Margaret just gave us a super sticker. Thank you. She has a question. Do you think Dan may be trying to convince Charlie? Do you think Dan may be trying to convince Charlie, Tim, to take a deal since he might be saying he is doomed? Or would Dan not do that since he has a relationship with Donna? Well, now we have a conflict. Because, well, we don't have a conflict now. We would have a conflict if he tried to represent Harvey or Donna. Um, they would require them any kind of deal. At this point, George is not giving any deal unless they can give Wendy and they give Donna. No deals on the table. And um, it was it was really fascinating when when Katie said, "Yeah, they offered me immunity." Now we all heard that. We thought that. But when she said, yeah, they offered me full immunity wow. and they did it again after the first trial. Mm-hmm. How how can those lawyers look in the mirror and walk in a courtroom when they had a deal of immunity on the table? Well, and now she's got life plus 30. It's un- Yeah, that's unbelievable to me. I mean, that just that boggles the mind. And we know that they it is recorded now that they took Your hands in the frame, fans. They took that <laughs> They took that case at a discount because they said they wanted the case, right? Yeah, someone's so running your fingerprints right now. Go so ahead. You have to think, well, okay, well, if they're doing that, why? Because they have to be compensated somehow. And so they got two trials, court camp, possibly invited onto podcasts. They talked to Stephen Epstein. That is a form of compensation for a young lawyer. Right. And I'm not saying it's doctor. They could have done everything right and tried to the darkness. But that, at the bottom line, it, it looks bad. It smells bad. It may not really be bad in all fairness to them. But in terms of they're trying to make their career off this, it backfired. Well, by the it's way. either bad or they couldn't evaluate the evidence, how strong it was. And if they couldn't evaluate the evidence, they shouldn't be a doing capital case. Yeah. Fancy just gave an inch to uh, a defense team. And she just said, uh, in all fairness to them, I can't believe those words came out of her Can mouth. I ask him enough questions? So you've got a great legal uh, I know. defense attorney. If you were representing Katie, mm-hmm. knowing the cases you do, mm-hmm. and she was saying to you, well, I don't want to give up Charlie because of Sigredo. I don't want to, because I have to give up Sigredo. Right. Like what she said in court mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I believe that, but that's what she said. Right. What would your strategy be to convince her to take a deal? Well, Katie... And Monica 
Jordan and I would be in the room with Katie mm. for hours and hours, and we would convince her that it's in her best interest, her family's best interest, to take the deal. And we would prepare her and make sure she's comfortable with it. I would not give her false hope. I would not tell her we can win this. I would not tell her we have a great case because that's just false. That's just, you're, you're, you're putting yourself ahead of your client. Mm -hmm. No one in their right mind looking at the facts of this case could have said, we're going to win this case. Not with Louis Rivera testifying. Not with no way and they were going to win that. Monica's, uh, you are too, but Monica's persuasive. I think she would have made it happen. It's so crazy when you think about it. I mean, if she was with Tim and Monica, she might be out free right she, now. She said on the stand with George, she's like, why didn't you do it? And she's and George, did you think you'd be acquitted? And she said, yes, ma'am. Wow. And, and, and you can she say, acted like she thought she'd be acquitted when the first yeah. and and you can say that about her not wanting to turn on Secreto. That does not explain after the retrial. He's convicted and done. Mm -hmm. She that Secreto was out of her equation, you know. So and she had the immunity then as well. So that Secreto bit doesn't make. She thought she was going to win. She thought Tara Colos was going to get up and do whatever handstands or whatever, you know, yell at people and make faces and and make a miracle. you're the attorney and you're really the attorney, you're in there at that proffer. If you're not at that proffer, you're not her attorney. You're not looking after her best interests. And why is it? Maybe your best interest is already done. But if you're not there and you're the lawyer, you're going to be at the proffer. Clients need help at a proffer because they'll minimize all the time. And then they walk out and the agents like this case, Sanford, walk out because they know they're not telling the truth. And then you say, give us five minutes. And then you talk to your client and then you're getting closer. By the end of the day, the puzzle fits. And but I don't get it. Um, I still I have a hard time understanding it. I can't see why they didn't take a deal. Look, Monica was working with Louis Rivera. What did he get? He got a deal. He got a deal. He got and for what he, he got a, a great deal. And. She should have taken the deal. No doubt about it. Uh, another legal question for you, Tim, from Stella. Theoretically, if Charlie were able to get away with this defense, could he be charged with obstruction of justice? Seems uh, I would answer that without knowing nothing from nothing as a no. The answer would be no. Double jeopardy is already attached once that jury was sworn. Unless they can show he did obstruction after he was charged. And it would be subsequent, it wouldn't be part of the conspiracy because cover up instruction as part of the conspiracy might have been included in the original offense. Uh, another question from Got Donuts, friend of the show. Uh, Tim, if Rashi, she calls him, did not go 
And by the way, Rash Brown has a tough job, and I've said it before. It I think he's a decent human being. Mm-hmm. You've met him, Tim. I yeah, yeah I think too. he's a decent human being. He's just trying to do his job. Um, he's been nothing but gracious in the courtroom. He's gone up to a lot of people and said hello. Not me, but I won't hold that against him. Um, got donuts. Tim, if Rashi did not go with the extortion defense, what could an alternate defense have been? You're great uh, on the spot, Tim Jansen. You're there in opening statements. What would you say, Tim Jansen? He's thinking it through right now. Well, he should have really gone against reasonable doubt. You can't trust these people. Um, one's a murderer who got a sweetheart deal with his federal sentence. Nothing ties him directly to them. Um, each of these people has a reason to lie. Katie McDonough clearly has a reason to lie. There's no direct evidence linking Charlie to the crime. It's all circumstantial evidence, and you really can't believe it. Um, and they didn't charge him for lo- how long. And I think he's going to make that argument, how long it took to charge him. And he's going to say the first Dolce Vita tape is going to be the same as the second. And, and he's going to play both because he's going to say there's no difference. So why did they charge him? It's going to make it look like the, the government was forced to charge him and they had to charge him. And that's why we're here. Mm. So they're going to play the most, what he says is the state's most important piece of evidence. He's going to play it twice for the jury. He's going to, he's going to play the original one. Yeah. And then he's going to play the enhanced one. And then he's going to say, there's no difference. So why didn't they charge him here instead of now? And they, you know why? Because of pressure. They were pressured to do this. Mm. Mm. And that's what he said in opening. But right? the jury's still going to hear that it was horrible and incriminating the worst piece of evidence twice. Yeah. But he's going to give context when he gets on the stand and show it. By the way, when are we going to hear those tapes? Yeah. They should be coming up. Tomorrow. So I, would, I would think that's next in line, the tapes yeah. and then the wires. Okay. Um. So back to Katie McBanawa. Very interesting. Again, a lot of people did not uh, think she was coming up. As soon as she took the stand, I started getting a flurry of texts. I won't call anyone out. John Singer, who said that... Uh, thought the state was getting killed. But I was sitting there watching it in person and I felt she was very credible. Just to go through it, Georgia basically uh, um, says, you know, asking her why, you know, why weren't you truthful last time? On and on, why would you be truthful this time? And she basically said that the truth needs to come out now for the Markells, which, you know, I don't know if I necessarily buy that, but what she went on to say was, I didn't want to, you know, it was a capital murder case possibly, and I didn't want my baby daddy to potentially get the death penalty. So I was doing it to save him, and I was doing it to save myself, which is, that's about as honest as you get. Because she was just saying, look, I, I was just trying to get out. I was trying to wiggle my way out of it. And now she's been in there for a while. Um, and we talked to people who know, you know, she's feeling the pressure in there. Um, again, Kathy, do you think um, it was a good move by Georgia to bring her up there. Um, did it pay off? Because again, I was getting texts all day long saying the state shot themselves in the foot. But I have to tell you, being there in person, which makes a difference, it didn't feel that way. How about, what do you think? Didn't feel that, I, I'm with you. It didn't feel that way at all. It, I, it, she came across very different than she did in the last way. trial where she was more defensive and evasive. She was forthcoming. She was softer, I think, in her just general style. Um, and she was giving, like Tim said earlier, she was telling stories with details 
that made sense. Like talking about how, and just consistently talking about how that paper was in a sealed manila envelope, that he didn't lick the seal, that he told her that he used gloves. Mm -hmm. But she didn't then say, oh, he told me to use gloves. Because of course, they're protecting themselves. The Adelsons are, they don't care, her fingerprints are on it. And, and that, you know, these little details about how she slipped it in her bag, how about how Sigrid slipped it in his pants. You know, I mean, these were just stories where like, you can picture the whole thing. Crazy. And like, yeah. why would she come up with those little gratuitous details if it wasn't true? Yeah. I thought she came across as credible and she basically said, I lied. I'm not lying now. And her story makes sense because it's true. Why was the money wet? I do not get that. Oh my God. There were so many. <laughs> But you know, do they really just like like take like Dawn and like you know? She like, said, like, that, what is that? "Well, they said that they put it in the washing machine to eliminate, I think, any DNA evidence." So this, just to get to what Kathy was just saying, for those who weren't watching the trial there, didn't follow it. I wrote down here. This was like the death blow. Um, basically, Katie says, um, "You know, how did this all go down?" And he said, "I got this these instructions from Charlie." He said, "Don't open them." He, I, she says, I had my diaper bag. She had little kids at the time. He, he wore gloves, so there was no fingerprints. I mean, these are details, right? And then said, uh, he told me that he did not print it from his office printer. He also did not lick the envelope. Sig, Sigfredo, took the envelope, stuffed it in his pants. I mean, Tim Jansen, when you're telling a story, there's stories and stories, but the level of detail here, I mean, she'd have to really concoct this for this not to be true. I mean, she had to be sitting in that cell going, okay, what do I say now? What do, and just to keep that straight, I mean, did it seem believable? It did seem believable. And the, the key thing is the proper notes by the FBI were given to the defense. So if she didn't mention those details in that proffer, don't you think Rashbaum would have cross-examined her? And said, why didn't you give those details to the FBI? Because she did give them to the FBI. Anytime she said anything that wasn't in the proffer, he crossed it. That had to be in the proffer, had to be in the 301. Yeah. And um, it gave her credit. It, it, details is what gives credibility yeah. and gives you a reason to have a remembering of it. 100%. And Kathy, she says, um, uh, Georgia asked, did he give the money to Sigredo? And she says, I went to Charlie who gave me the money. I mean, she said that flat out. She says, um, in June or July, Charlie began to get more adamant about quote unquote getting it done, which is obviously the time frame since it happens in July. And then right after the murder, Georgia asked, What was his what was he like? She said Charlie had a gun, he was waving it all around, he was in a frantic state. She says, I never saw his parents. Uh the money came. It was inside a plastic bag, in a brown bag, inside a grocery bag. So to repeat that, Katie on the stand says the money came inside a plastic bag in a brown, presumably like a lunch paper bag, inside a grocery bag. The money was stapled. And that's where she says the money was damp. She said to Sigfredo, I think there's mold on this. And Sigfredo's like, well, just blow dry it. You know, it's money. And they're trying to figure out why. And she asked, Katie, why do you think this, why? And she says, I think that his mother, Donna, washed the money. Fancy. That's insane. But I mean, I think the the uh, presumption there, the belief is that Donna probably thought if in fact this is all true, she would wash away the DNA. What's your take? I think it's that shit. I don't even know what to make of it. I mean, who, like, she, did she get, she got the money wet? 
I mean, thinking it was going to erase everything. Well, can't, can't you just, you got to people when they're trying to get rid of fingerprints, so they just can't they just wipe it down? I don't understand it. That was the most, my head was spinning. Um, just thinking that. So, and it's funny. It's funny. Can you, Pat, can you imagine, you know, Donna, the little glass line sitting on the uh, bathtub tub, and she's in her bathtub actually just washing that money, knowing it's got somewhere to be tomorrow. I mean, it's just, it kind of fits though. Yeah. But have we thought about it that maybe this money was buried and no. they pulled this money out? Because you're not going to get mold on money by washing it. Mold takes time to build. Mm. But if it's buried somewhere in a ground or something mm. and then brought out, that could be wet and it could have mold on it. They had a family safe um, in the, the Adolf the Yeah. So. That's, I mean, that's just Maybe wild. they just had so much cash that it ran out of, the safe ran out of Sounds room. like they did so have one. With my mistress in previous trials, but it sounds like Donna and Harvey showed up and dropped off the money. Yeah, that's what it sounds you know, just like. According to the text today, we're here, we're here, you know, that, that night. And um, I haven't heard that yeah. before. So, and then, like, they had a, you know, the piles of money in their safe. So they had the Charlie pile yeah. and the their pile. And at so one point, she's like, talking, Donna's talking about, you know, they're, they, they're short on the books. So they've got, you know, just. They were short on the books, and Donna was saying that she had to now borrow $25,000 from Charlie to cover the books. on. The, so they were all hands-on with that money and all had access to a lot of money. Maybe Donna's been doing the state link. Yeah, you don't know. But also, if, know. if they're going to be so freaking worried about, you know, fingerprints and trace uh, why did he put such an identifying the staples yeah. on that money then? Almost undoing anything else, right? People make dumb mistakes, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's always like the small mistakes, I think, that get you caught. Pirate 2031, a super sticker. Thank you. Uh, this one's for Tim. Do you think prosecutors should offer a deal to Charlie? Another deal question. Hmm. Sounds like people are panicking for Charlie. Uh, do you think prosecutors should offer a deal to Charlie, maybe 15 years, with a promise that Wendy and Donna get no get no more than 10 years? You don't, you don't get to make those kind of deals. He'd have to do a proffer, and they would um, – well, he's not going to do a proffer. Here's the problem with the proffer. They're not going to give a deal without a proffer. And you do a proffer, that proffer is not admissible in any court unless you go into a courtroom and testify differently, which means he won't be able to testify at his own trial because then they can impeach him by what he says during the proffer. Um, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to cut him a deal like that, and I don't think they would ever limit the amount of time. Um, they might agree to give him all 25 years, <laughs> you know, cap him at 25. Uh, Abby Tahahaha, uh, do you all think that Katie was scared, Kathy, here to testify uh, because she was worried for her own life at the time that snitches get stitches? Is that a possibility why she was so reluctant? No, I don't. I, I'm with Nancy on this. I think I think she was convinced that she could win. Mainly my my take on that is her reaction was so shocked that she was convicted. And I mean, we're all sitting there like, hey, you were 11-1 in last trial, you know, like the, the odds were not in your favor. So like, why are you? So she was devastated and shocked. And so somebody convinced her that she would be acquitted. And so I, I don't think, I think it was just bravado. I don't think she cares about the victim's family. I don't care. think, you know, I think she was just thought she was going to get off. And I think she thinks that this is going to provide something to ultimately.
And by the way, there, there's, there's going to be a, you know, a handful. I don't know how many people who think that Charlie's completely innocent in this and it's confirmation bias. That is the new phrase that everyone uses. So to be fair, I mean, Rashbaum got some points in um, when he crossed uh, Katie McVanawa and he basically said, did Charlie pay for the attorneys? Uh, no, because there's been a supposition out there that maybe he paid for all her legal fees. Did he pay for the kids? No, she answers, um, you know. So why didn't you cooperate? Because I didn't want to give up my uh, baby daddy. She goes on. I mean, did uh, did Rashbaum, Tim, in your opinion, get points in here that that could you know? You, they always say it only takes one. He made some points, but you remember at one point she blurted out that her brother, his brother, offered to pay, and then everybody got all fluffed. Say that one more time that uh, Charlie's brother offered to pay for her lawyer and he wasn't ready for that. And mm. I think there was an objection. I didn't catch that. Then Charlie well, offered to pay her brother and yes. the brother declined. Mm. Right. Yeah. I did not he, catch that. It just flipped in there real fast. Yeah, mm. also at the same time, he either, I don't know what time that offer was made, but he was under heat because his wife, Samantha Magdano, had just embezzled from a forensic accounting firm she worked at, which is hilarious, um, over a million dollars. So maybe he just was so scared. And they, they talked to the FBI, Francis. So maybe, I don't know, something just said, I'm not going to be more of a criminal in this family. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, and then Rashbaum, Tim, went on and said, look, Katie uh, McBanaway says, you have an appeal pending right now in this very right. uh, county. Um, you took an oath in the first two trials, just like you did here. He points right, right at the jurors. You know, why should we believe your uh, sworn oath this time around? I mean, strong points, you know, oh, it, makes, it, makes, it makes you wonder, right? That's absolutely the reason why Georgia had to make a decision. Do I call her? She's got high baggage. She's correct in the, in the, that she has an appeal going. She probably was issued a subpoena. So anything she said couldn't be used against her today. Um, he made some points. Did he, did he not do a knockout blow on Katie? No, because the question to the state is the points that you wanted to get out were they worth the risk of the bad things about her. And I think they got some good points that are very favorable and undermine his whole crux of his defense by the way tim it's you know you're interesting because you're in that uh you're the man in the arena as they say you're in that courtroom a lot of times at the very end and this was also quick but it was really poignant um rashbaum says to katie magbanawa this is not a direct quote but paraphrasing here isn't it true you were the mastermind and she <laughs> responds to him no it's charlie adelson right and i don't think you should ask that question you should have stopped ahead of that he got zong and and, and I mean, you don't you don't ask a question, you know, that you're going to get hit. I mean, isn't that, is, it, he wasn't controlled. He didn't have a lot of yes. Well, she said, yes, yes, yes. He didn't. That, there was no control. He had no control on Katie at all. And he got to the point he was yelling. He was mad. He was, he kept saying the same thing. Um, you're lying. You committed perjury. You're a murderer. All this. And he kept throwing stuff out there that she was saying <laughs> she did the last job. Do you have the document? Can you show that to me? Can you show mm -hmm. me something? Well, he should have had something then because he was throwing out information even to me. Right. And I'm like, well, if you're just going to say that, you better back it up some way. Right. So we yeah. saw that with Wendy in Georgia where Wendy couldn't recall anything. And George said, open the book, turn to page 25. Right. And it was like. Go forward an email. Yeah. It was, and so Georgia was limited. She couldn't really object because she put this, I don't want to say this hot potato on the witness stand. 
She couldn't be seen trying to protect her. So she let him do whatever he wanted. And and then she came up and cleaned it up. And she's going to get her points and she's going to say, I didn't choose her as a witness. Charlie did. Charlie chose her. Charlie chose her. If I was going to pick a, a witness, we would have the priest at the church or a doctor. There you go. The other thing about Katie is that the story she's telling now is the only story that makes sense. And everything else supports it. Right. The story she told before, nothing supports it. So it's like it's easy to believe, you know. Yeah. By the way, I thought I was going to escape up to Tallahassee, get away from my kids, have some fun, go out, you know, have lunch, have some. Well, we went out to lunch today. By the way, shout out to the Metro Deli. <laughs> Everyone was talking about the Metro Deli, a place. Uh, Lived up to it, but uh, Joe bought my lunch. So I want everyone to know he's actually a really nice guy. Uh, yeah, nice, thanks. thanks, Fancy. Thanks for that. Uh, Elf gave us a super sticker, so I want to thank her for that. Um, why was the defense, Tim, this will go to you, finding questions to Katie that she kept denying about lunch and dinner, then saying, I don't have to show you proof? Um, I don't recall that, to be honest. Yeah. But but you did. He kept asking her questions, and these are clearly questions and facts that Charlie wants to get in. Oh. And she kept denying, and then she kept denying. She goes, "Well, show me." He couldn't show her because he didn't have anything to show her. It was made up. It's like the time I, I cross-examined a witness, and I I held up this empty folder, and I said, "What do you?" I got the, and then they admitted it. There was nothing but blank paper in there, and. It didn't work on Katie because what happens when said, they show when they when you have to admit that? Well, then you move on to another. Question. <laughs> and you say, okay, let's let's go to another question. Yeah. We'll get back to that. By the way, a super sticker from Sindhu Pacheski. So thank you very much for that. As these questions continue to roll in, uh, and that is the same super sticker. So thank you. So just in juxtaposition to Daniel Rashbaum, I think taking it a step too far. Uh, he's going to watch this one day and uh, we're trying to get him on the show and he's going to say, no way. Cause you guys went too hard on me, but he could have stopped right before he gave Katie the opportunity to say, no, the mastermind was Charlie, but he didn't. She right. it. But then in juxtaposition to that, Georgia comes up in the redirect very short. And she says, did you know that this would result in death? Meaning this whole now birthday present is mm -hmm. couching. And she says, yes. Did Charlie know? Yes. No further questions. She Boom. Really but you know why she did that? Tell me. Because it was Tell some, me. There was a confusion teacher, when they yeah. said rough them up. Oh, they were going to rough them up. And Georgia didn't want a juror to get mm. thinking maybe he was paying to get rough somebody up. You don't pay $100,000 to rough somebody up. Mm. You might pay a guy five grand to go beat somebody up. You're not going to pay 100000 So that's, that, but she wanted to clear that up in the air right then. By the way, the, C the COE is yelling at me because I'm purposely, well, I will say the name, Lisa Boris, $10 super sticker. Thank you so much. Freda Lee or Frida Lee, why didn't Katie take the deal? We touched on that earlier. Um, and she's screaming at me, uh, you're skipping this. Read it out effing loud, please. Love you from the COE. That is um, the, same, the same way Charlie and his mom have text exchanges. The COE and I have text exchanges. By the way, I can't even remember what I texted Karn today, but I texted her something. Um, you know, I'll be totally transparent here. It had to do with the part when they were talking about how much money Charlie was making between the periods of 2014. Three and a half million. Three and a half million a year. And I basically texted Carm saying, what's wrong with me and my life? And she started screaming at me, don't dare text me this stupidity. So <laughs> I got yelled at for that today, too. It never ends. Um, 
Joel, did you get to shower Ruth with some uh, love and hugs today? We did. Ruth was in there. Uh, Ruth, as a matter of fact, uh, Meve Moan, can I announce this? Yeah. Tomorrow, um, Froggy over there said I can announce it. Tomorrow. Yes. We, uh, Ruth Markell is here. She's obviously, this is a very difficult time. And I have to say, I met Phil Markell and Shelly Markell, Dan's sister, at the Metro Deli of all places. That's where everyone hangs out. Mm -hmm. uh, couldn't be nicer. Um, my heart just aches for them. You can see the pain. You can feel the pain. You can feel the weight of it. Uh, I have to say, the person I'm feeling it from the most is Ruth Markell. She just seems like she's carrying a ton of bricks on her shoulders, but she's a beautiful woman. She's going to be with us tomorrow. I don't know the exact location yet, and I've got a lot of her books. And if anyone wants a book signed by Ruth or wants to meet her, she's not going to come on camera. She's not going to comment on the trial. Uh, we will announce um, the time and place tomorrow, uh, and we will make that happen. This is a good chance we'll be right back here at Tim Jansen's office. Um, and someone said here, Jen Mitch, I saw Brandy Churchwell next to you. She drove in from Panama City, very sweet uh, woman. She has her own channel, and uh, she was here today to show support. And when I saw her, she was uh, on her way back. So um, very quickly, um, the last uh, witness on the stand today, who I took the elevator down with, Sergeant Chris Corbett from uh, Tallahassee PD. We started with this, we'll end with this, and then we'll get some final thoughts. Uh, it was after lunch. The jurors were kind of tired. And today was a long day, and I could just see them clinging to consciousness. You know, they were just like, wow, this is going to be boring. But it got more and more interesting as he brought in text messages. But what's the importance of that testimony with all the pinging and the triangulation and showing where everyone was? A very important testimony correct? It's really important. And what they did is they buttressed the testimony of Lewis Rivera and Katie with now law enforcement, independent, credible technical evidence that supports their story, supports their version of the events, and gives them credibility. Um, it is monotonous, it's mundane. And I think Sarah did a nice job. And then Chris is a wonderful witness who can explain things in lay terms. He turns to the jury. He knows how to speak to a jury. Um, he's very bright and um, he presents well. And I'm sure this testimony has been re not rehearsed, but practice. They know exactly every point they want to get. And it's going to come across very good. And I think it's going to be great to uh, protect and enhance the testimony of both Katie and Lewis. Mm. Shout out to uh, Space Coast. He does all the work behind the scenes in Los Angeles where all the entertainment and action and news and true crime and all that all comes together. He's doing all the work out there. So shout out to Space Coast. And of course, all of our mods. I can't name them all. If I name a few, the COE will yell at me, but I'm not T-Pain. I'm going to give a special shout out to because I did not know that T-Pain, the real T-Pain was from Tallahassee mm -hmm. until I was looking for a song with the title Tallahassee and T-Pain's name came up. So T-Pain is from here. Uh, no idea. I feel like T-Pain and I need to meet one day along with I am not T-Pain because, as you know, I just found out uh, he was a rapper about three months ago. I had no idea. Shout out to SDS Nation who watched us for eight plus hours today. More notes from the COE. I would say best guest, better community. Two quick questions. I'm going to go round the table and then we'll get final thoughts. Does Charlie take the stand, Kathy? 
I, I wasn't sure until I I heard I, I trust him, and I I hope he is. I hope he does. I'll be here for it. Um, you know, he's a he's a bravado guy, and he thinks he you know that's not the way it's done, and he's going to show us the way it's done, and I, I'm here for it. Fancy fiction? Does he take the stand? Yes or no? Yes, because I don't think he will let he won't rest his defense because it's just. He's smart enough. He's going up in flames. He's going to try to save himself. Tim Jansen, does he take the stand? He has to take the stand now. He's the only one that can offer some of the evidence and this so-called defense that he claimed he has in the opening. Otherwise, he has no defense. Kathy Munkin, how do I say your last name again? Hi, I'm Hi, I'm Hi. never going to get that right now. I have to remember that. Like, how high I am. Exactly. <laughs> Not that I ever am. I'm just saying that's the way to remember it. Um, if there's another big surprise in this trial, what do you think it would be? That's my final question before final surprise. thoughts. Surprise. Would, oh. would it be Sigfredo taking the stand? Would it be something else that we're not anticipating? Uh, well, Sigfredo would be a big surprise. I mean, I doubt he'll he'll come on. I mean, Rashbaum pulls something that, you know, pulls Don up or something like that. You know, in his case, I don't think he will. Um, I don't. I, I don't think we're going to get a ton more surprises. But I do want to point out one quick thing that I noticed today that, that dovetails with Tim saying how the um, Corbett bolstered Katie because this was new to me. Katie said she looked and looked and looked for Sigfredo that next day because she wanted to give him the money and she couldn't find him. We found out today it's because he ditched his phone. Mm. You see that there was mm. a big blank plate. Nobody could get a hold of him because he was using a, a phone that he dumped. Mm. So that's why she couldn't find him. Mm. And so like those are little details that are coming together for me that are creating the picture of cohesiveness of the whole thing. Mm. So I and just wanted to mention your that. perspective, by the way, is amazing. I mean, it's really, yeah, just uh, someone who's watched so many trials so closely. And, you know, it's, I guess there's an art form to it. Did I ask you, uh, if there are any, I did not ask you yet. If there's a big surprise yet to come, what do you think it could be? I don't know, but I think it will come from the two witnesses uh, that Rashawn has on the list that don't have crossover with the states. Because I know that there are two lawyers. One used to divorce lawyers, listed, and Gary Cohen. And Gary Cohen, friends with Harvey, pretty sure he's at that 70th birthday party. I don't know, maybe he was in the corner of Wendy and Charlie most of the night. Um, and he's the one that yeah, yeah. possibly helped paper up that million-dollar offer to Dan. He's the one that offered Wendy a million-dollar partner track job to and got involved in the divorce proceedings to attacking that job offer. And she's the one who, one of the twelve people, Gary Cohen, took that she forwarded that last grandma that wanted to. So I think Gary Cohen, um, that I, whatever he's got to say, if he's called, I think that's where the surprise will be contained. By the way, that's one of the craziest ironies, uh, the possibility that Donna's uh, son could end up spending the rest of his life in the Tallahassee area. area. Uh, I love this. Rachel J. Joel, I went to Fiddler on the Roof last week, and when he sang, If I Were a Rich Man, I Thought of You. True story. <laughs> <laughs> that's my life story. Uh, Tim, oh, by the way, this is my mother commenting. She comments under her sister's name. I have no idea why. She's paranoid. That's what the Holocaust does to you. She said, great job. Thank you, Carm. I appreciate that. Uh, Carm, I'm working harder than Charlie Adelson ever worked a day in his life. The guy was making $3.5 million a year for four straight years. What am I doing wrong? Carm, we'll discuss that later. It's not all about money. I'm actually having fun. I'm enjoying this. Tim Jansen, if there was another surprise that could come up in this trial, 
what would it or could it be in your opinion? I, I think the biggest surprise now would be if they don't call Charlie mm-hmm. and they rest their case without calling Charlie and he comes up with another defense theory in closing. That would be the biggest surprise and say, well, you know, we were going to come up with this extortion, but now that we looked at the state's paper, it's so weak that we don't even need to put on a case that they can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Of it. You're going to have to find my client. You know, that would be equally as uh, possible of a victory as what he's got going. By the way, the, your story about admitting blank papers into evidence is one of my favorite stories now. Um, Fancy Fiction, time for final thoughts. For those who do not know, Fancy Fiction probably knows more about this case than anyone except maybe Donna and Wendy Adelson. Um, (laughs) Fancy, um, two final questions. Will this be a guilty verdict when we're all said and done? And how about that? Yes? Uh, 100%. 100%. Boy, if it's not, I just don't even want to be within nine miles of Fancy Fiction. Fancy, your final thoughts. Um, no, it's, it's very interesting to attend a jury as opposed to watching it in this prime time, facial expressions, very interesting watching the jury, very interesting seeing, you know, the Adelson Institute employees walking in the same room today. So I think it's very fascinating. I'm grateful that I'm here. And um, I think that this is going to finish faster than anyone expected. And um, I just think that night that that guilty verdict comes in, it's going to be a really great night. Not for me, not for you, not for Michael, but everyone who has put their time and energy to understand this case, comment it, and just activate. It's just really been a very beautiful thing, and I want to thank everybody. Very well said, Fancy, and uh, we appreciated seeing your hands in the shot. I'm sure someone has uh, fingerprinted <laughs> that electronically. By the way, the first trial I think I ever watched was O.J. Simpson. How long did that last? It was like four well, months. Yes. So I think that scarred me for life. Jury, yeah, 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 like terrible. six hours. Yeah, <laughs> after all that. Um, how much do you think that defense cost OJ? Five million. How much do you think it would cost today for that defense? Ten million. At least, right? Yeah. I mean, that was an unbelievable defense to me. Yeah. Uh, Kathy Monkman Hyman. Yeah. Got it right. There we go. Some m- mnemonic. That's how I remembered it. Uh, does Charlie get convicted and your... Uh, final thoughts tonight he will be convicted it'll be a quick verdict and my final thoughts are two quotes of georgia kappelman one that she said in this trial that i think was brilliant where she said to the jury you are not here to judge charlie adelson as a man you are here to judge the facts Mm. and i thought that was brilliant because if they try to in some way spin him into some like likable or poor victim or whatever in some way She's already set the stage of you just have to look at what he did and it's all there. And then, of course, my favorite quote of hers ever is do not let these people get away with this crime in the way they expected to get away with this crime. That's a great. And that's not going to happen. Do you do you really believe and I'm sure you do in especially with what you went through. But do you believe in this jury system, this jury of our peers deciding his fate? Do you trust them? Yes. Decision. I, I trust I trust the system and I trust this jury. I like this jury. Yeah, this jury seems uh, on on point. Buds Speed Print Edition. Dear John Singer, I did not think the state was getting killed. I thought today the defense hill has reached mountainous altitudes. Um, so that's a good way to put it. Very poetic. I like that. Um, Giovanni's Pikachu says, "Fancy fiction. We appreciate your hand being here with us." Uh, it's beautiful. 
11 months. 11 months. I said four months. Thank yeah. you. That was uh, Judge Edo's problem. That, yeah. that gravelly, sexy voice is uh, Beef Moen. I'm also going to Look, he's, he's the new Carmella. He's now interrupting the end of the show. As we're trying to wrap up, just talking out of nowhere from a, a hole on the side of the wall. 11 months. Have you ever heard of a trial going 11 months? Has there ever been another trial that you know? Civil trials, too. Civil trials? Criminal too. trials don't yeah. only go that long. Now, there's trials at The Hague that go on like three years. Yeah, well, that's the worst story. But that's completely yeah. different. By the way, I interviewed Ben Ferenc. He was, the la he was the last living Nuremberg trials prosecutor. He died at 103 years old. Sweet man. Um, that had nothing to do with anything. Your, did I ask you your final? No, what you thought, okay. What do you think could be the biggest surprise? Had no, yes, oh, I think that. So, your final thoughts? Comments. Yeah, please. I want to thank Joel. No, I want to thank you, by the way. You filled in today. Um, we're, um, again, I keep saying this we're going to be the Super Bowl halftime show one year in the near future. I could not have done this without Tim Jansen. Um, while I have you pressured in a literally in a corner, do you want to do it again while I'm in court tomorrow? You don't sure. have to. You I can do that. Yeah, maybe I can. we will. I really not well. Though. I really enjoyed it because I, I think I, I, I give some experience in the courtroom, and when I'm seeing what they're doing, I'm able to let the people know what's going on. So otherwise, you may not know what's going on, and it gives them some. It gives context, and. Um, Please interrupt again, Steve, Thanks, well, especially when you're not on camera and no one has any, you know, okay. basis. I want to give a shout out to two of the three guests because they did a very cool video where they drove Wendy's route. Oh, it's gotten very good response. We I'm need sure. to do that. How is that? What did you learn from that as applies to the trial? By the way, real quick before you answer that, Kathy, now fancy stepping in. I've got so many COEs. Tim Jansen has been doing unbelievable analysis in the Tallahassee Democrat, the paper of record for the story. Check out Tim's analysis in the Tallahassee Democrat. Uh, I'm sorry, Kathy, go ahead. Oh, well, Fancy drove, which was fantastic, because I was going to do this anyway. I didn't even know she was coming down. The way it all came together was fantastic. And because she's been in this, lived in this community, she could take me, you know, and, and so, you know, we just propped up the camera and I held it up there. And what I learned from that is that Wendy is a bald-faced liar under oath. It's where she's saying, on so many levels, because where she is saying she saw that crime scene tape is false. And it's, it's a major deal. And where she actually saw the crime scene tape boom is right there in front of the house it is very visible mm. and that's where she turned around and of course she's not admitting that because her reaction is so inappropriate. and they spoke about it today right i mean they showed she prepared they asked um one of the witnesses like she prepared you know hey would, would this have made sense they, they yeah. There, who saw her in her hand turn around right in front of him, yeah. and where she's saying she did that turnaround is like a half mile away at least with twisty turning speed bumps. So that was false. Plus, she would never use that as a shortcut. Nobody would ever use that as a shortcut because it's a road that varies in speed from like 15 miles an hour to 25 miles per hour filled with speed bumps. So you only go down there if you have to. You know? It's very, yeah, it's a very Right, yeah. like if the Adelsons are involved, they didn't do this in a vacuum, just drove up, you know, sort of. So she went to that crime scene for a reason. We don't know exactly what that reason. I think either she was just so curious, she had to see it with her own eyes, or Donna gave her that assignment to go make sure that it was done because she was jumping at the bit to know, but she was there and she lied about it. 
The ABC liquor she went to, was that the one on Thomasville Road right next to the courthouse? Thomasville Patton. Mm. Yeah, it's right next to the courthouse, the yeah, traffic court. Well, yeah, it's the southern right. the floor living and where the yoga studio got shot yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's a, that, that street is a very, con Benton's very congested, yeah. and it has speed bumps. You would never use that as a never, shortcut. No. It, it's not a good road. Yeah. So, me, me, Mom, we need to make that drive ourselves, yeah. and we'll film it not to copycat these guys. I actually want to see it with my own eyes. But, yeah. uh, me, do you want to tell us about next week's urology appointment to extend the show yeah. unnecessarily hey, for another yeah. hour? Yeah, you're that guy. And by the way, but no one, no one knows. I mean, fancy they know is anonymous, but you're not on camera. Uh, and then inside. stick your head in here. To be honest with you all, I mean, like, <laughs> Maybe I, I, know, I, yeah. when I, no, but when I interject, it's to give Kathy and Fancy props, it's to, it's to send kudos to Tim, who's doing yeoman's work with, Your head's with, halfway cut with, off. with 15 broken ribs. I don't even have 15 ribs. Oh. We have 15? 20. Yeah. By the way, the COE is yelling, your audio is horrible because you're too far away. <laughs> Sit back down, me. Um, you're my Baba Booey. This is the best comment of the day. Heidi Moore in. Joel, tell Carm I found out today that my therapist loves STS. Couldn't get a better comment than that. She wants to give me free therapy. I will take it. Um, Bartleby Jones says, can you guys please write a note for me to give to my boss? I haven't worked in three days. The COE handles uh, work notices. Um, someone did tell me, Roger Rhodes said he was coming out of a store in Greenville, South Carolina. And someone said to him, hey, aren't you the therapist from Surviving Survivor? I'm telling you, we're on our way to Super Bowl stardom here. A halftime show. I got to thank everyone. Tim Jansen is a uh, gentleman and a scholar, a great legal mind. Guy helped me out today. We didn't even plan this. Looks like he will do it for us tomorrow while I'm in court. And then we're going to do another show tomorrow night right after court. Uh, me and Moen are going to make a, uh, a last second decision here. Uh, an, an audible in the last moment before uh, a touchdown is either scored or not. To see if Charlie takes a stand. And then we'll decide if we are sticking around as I look at Kathy Monkman. I am's Surviving Survivor sticker. I brought some here. Uh, Surviving Survivors on the screen there. I can no longer see. Until tomorrow, Bugs, I hope you're rolling this uh, closing animation. Love you, America. Love you, Tallahassee. Love you, T-Pain. I am not T-Pain. Everywhere, near and far between. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.